it's just like whoa what's that sorry it just got dark in here hello light oh there oh, we go oh there we go start recording now and okay we're live we're recording awesome i am here with my friend marco um this is episode four of imperfect um but yeah marco just uh, introduce yourself a bit and we'll get to know you a bit more perfect yeah so my name is marco um I graduated from Wilfrid Laurier University just this past April. Or we had a, yeah, we had a convocation in June. Um, right now, I am doing a postgrad certificate in public relations at Humber College in Etobicoke. And I have a professional background in real estate, and I'm a licensed realtor. So yes. that's a little bit about myself. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Marco and I know each other from our days at Laurier, um, going to um, we're both in communication studies. Um, and we got to know each other there. We were both dons together. Yeah. So we can even talk about that experience. Yeah. I honestly hadn't even thought about talking about that. But no, now, that's a good topic. Yeah, I guess we couldn't help. Yeah. Because um, what was the – you were like 40 students or something? Yeah, in first year um, I had 43 students. But by the end of the year I probably donned 45 students with students just moving in and out. Yeah. Um, and then my last year, fourth year, I only donned about 12 students, smaller okay. residents. Yeah. Okay. So where were you in the second time? Uh, Eiler or Euler, depends whoever you ask. Oh, shit. But yeah, okay. so Elmac area. Yeah. And was either of them an all guys floor or? Uh, yeah. So the whole building was, it's an all guys, right? So okay. yeah, we there's, yeah, yeah. We yeah. can even talk about that. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's two Dons. I, I don't know if you know Freeman, but he was on the second floor yeah. and then I was on the first floor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Uh, honestly, now that we're talking, like, this is what I mean when I say I send you a bunch of questions and yeah. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Like. There are things that we could definitely talk about before or deeper into a lot of that because even a lot of my experience in starting this whole podcast came from having a lot of guys on my floor. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm definitely, I hope this is, okay, yeah, we're good. Anyways, um, so yeah, a lot of my experiences with guys and then masculinity comes from that. So, um, but anyways, going into the first question that I always like to ask a lot of my guests is, um, how do you define masculinity in your own life? What does it mean to you? In my own life? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I think masculinity is definitely uh, a perception of what we would define a male figure or male characteristics. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like asking the question, like, what do you think? love is i feel like it's so subjective mm -hmm. to people's own different experience that there is no right or wrong answer or in masculinity itself i don't even think there can necessarily be a correct textbook definition mm -hmm. like if you're to look something up you know i feel like it it, it varies and it's so um culture specific that it's hard to define in such like a one sentence yeah. type thing. Masculinity is almost kind of like uh, something that you need to experience or see for yourself. And you can just see like you visually see it and you're like, oh, yeah, that's masculinity. Kind of like how people perceive themselves or, mm -hmm. you know, society standards. So I don't know. I think it's, I, it's yeah. hard to encapsulate it. I think so. I think I like actually like the comparison to love that you made because, um, you know, a lot of times – you know, we come from communications where obviously there's a lot of talk about gender studies. Yeah. Um, in the last year or so, there's a lot more about toxic masculinity as that became a bigger phrase and bigger term. Mm -hmm. um, so we've always kind of been comfortable talking about it. But I do like the comparison to love because I, 
I think like that idea that it's different to everyone and, and a lot of people perceive love or different love scenarios as toxic mm-hmm. um, when, you know, the two people in that scenario don't consider it to be that way. I kind of think it's the same way with toxic masculinity is that, you know, someone can act a certain way. And if that's how they prescribe to masculinity in their mm-hmm. own life, whether that's being strong to cover up weaknesses or anything like that, I think, um, I think there is that. I like, I actually like that comparison a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but going into that, do you think toxic masculinity exists or if it, it, if it does, does it look like the type of masculinity that, that is described by media or society? Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to when you're trying to um, dissect words like that, you always need to look at the root words of what makes up that kind of thing. So when you, you first talked about masculinity, what kind of what is masculinity? And like I said, it's something that's very subjective and it changes uh, depending on the lens that you look at it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the word toxic. Like, what does it mean to be, uh, like, to have toxic masculinity, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of saying, well, is there a toxic masculinity? Well, I, I believe there is to some extent that mm-hmm. there some masculinity or people the way that people express masculinity can definitely be seen in a negative way, and it is toxic, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's one thing where people when we're talking about toxic masculinity is, is that we need to kind of have an understanding, but also we need to have an open discussion because some people might might not understand that that is toxic masculinity. And like I was saying, some people might think toxic masculinity is, they might, they might have a lower standard of what toxic masculinity is while some people might have like a higher standard of toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think where the way media perceives it, um, I definitely think we're on a right track, but it is very subjective. Yeah. So when it comes to when it comes down to defining toxic masculinity and how it's defined in media or the way that we see it in our youth today, I think um, it is something that varies between different people. Yeah. And did you come across that within Dawning? And when it happened, uh, like how did you? I guess, oppose it or, or come at your, or not come at your students, but like, um, how did you address situations that potentially were deemed as toxic with your students? If there were situations, not going into the specifics, of course, but mm-hmm. like, just how was, what, what was it like? Right. I always think it's a learning opportunity for yourself and the student, mm-hmm. because as I said, it's a subjective thing. So you first want to learn and understand why they think that behavior is okay in the first place, because mm-hmm. to them, it might not be toxic masculinity. It might just be regular masculinity. It might just be everyday behavior. So mm-hmm. they might not necessarily know that what, what they're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's not something that you should be punishing them for, because that might be the way they they grew up that's yeah. not what they learned so it's very important that both sides are open to the conversation and that you're both learning something new so mm-hmm. i think going into situations like that when it comes to students is that um in the society that we're in today or just the way people we believe should conduct themselves um you, you it's it's a teaching and learning opportunity mm-hmm. so you really want to open their eyes up to say you know that might not be okay and this is why Mm-hmm. But I also want to understand why you think that, because if I don't understand the root problem to it, then how can I 
uh, uh, fix that or mm-hmm. how i don't even want to say fix it's like readapt your behavior because mm. i don't want to say fix because I, it's not that they're broken right yeah it's just kind of a readaptation yeah. to how people should can conduct themselves yeah. to be the best possible version they can be and not saying that there's ever a final version of being the best possible version of you yeah but it's always just being more considerate to this, those people around you and uh, just kind of adapting to how you can better how the better version of yourself can also help other people become a better version of themselves. Yeah. There's like two things you pointed out there that I think are things that I definitely wanted to talk about like in this podcast. And I want to get across through this podcast is one, just because they're like that now, doesn't mean they'll be like that forever. Mm-hmm. People are adaptable. They're never the finite versions of themselves. And two, um, you talked about how toxic masculinity, they may not know that it's toxic. And even if the term is toxic, like they're not broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's what, one of the reasons I don't like the term toxic is because toxic is because it makes it sound like they're disgusting. Like, and mm-hmm. the behavior might be disgusting. That's why I like the term unhealthy and healthy, mm. but at the same time, it's not up to me to determine what is healthy for them. Um, you know, I was having this conversation with uh, some people yesterday about the idea of, you know, stoicism and crying um, and how I don't really think like for whatever reason nowadays, it seems like when they project this version of men that are, are emotional, they always are, are like in tune with their emotions. They always present crying mm-hmm. rather than just being like, well, you can feel sadness without crying. You can feel angry without like yelling. Like you can, you can be emotional without showing the, I guess like the frailness of crying, if you want to call that, or or the anger of, uh, or the yelling of anger, um, and so those are the two aspects I really think that you touched on that I that I really like, and so I'm, I'm happy you brought them up. <laughs> yeah, and and then in terms of getting, um, I guess respect from the guys on your floor, like that was something that I went into wondering what would happen. So for example, I had a floor of 15, there was fifteen guys and six girls. Um, and when I found out there was 15 guys, I was actually really worried because I never really built good relationships with a lot of guys mm-hmm. because I'm more feminine um, or I think I perceive myself as more feminine, not really into bro culture or guy culture all that much. Was there, was there, so I struggled with that at first, like thinking I would be accepted for who I am. Did you kind of face the same thing or, or was that never even a problem for you? Like with my own personal experience about being accepted? Or... Yeah, with being either like in your personal life or in uh, being a Don, I guess. Uh, I guess from like a personal standpoint, um, you know, I kind of fall in the same uh, uh, interests or or I guess you can even say disinterest. Like yeah. I wasn't that big on sports either. Like I played sports as a younger, as like when I was younger, but mm-hmm. going on in life I never kind of really did anything much uh sports really in high school and I'm only saying this because like this is what we as a society kind of like you know it's yeah. like guy culture as you'd say um I always found myself you know more into uh like I had my interest with photography mm-hmm. um later on into fashion or just kind of like dressing nicely yeah. or just uh even self-care became a big thing just mm-hmm. like you know taking care of myself um so I think as society progressed um it as I became older, it was a good transition because I think I might I'm, I might just be speaking for myself here, yeah. but as a kid or as a child, I really didn't care too much about like what people thought. So even mm-hmm. if I did do that stuff, I it kind of just like a secondary thought. But as I did become a teenager and a young adult, when you start 
taking into consideration what other people might think about Mm -hmm. you, like your own self-reflection of what society thinks about you. Um, I think I was, we were at a good point in society, or at least that I found that I was never really judged on it. Yeah. Or, and that also might not, that might be um, a point of privilege I might be talking about. Yeah. Um, You know, might not, not, everybody might not have that same kind of friend group or surrounding where they can express themselves. So I might just be lucky enough that I never really had to worry about that. Um, But for my personal self, uh, didn't really have too many issues. Um, Friends were always accepting. Um, I have more female friends than guy friends based off those interests, which is not a, not a problem for me. Um, And, those interests are not a problem for my friends because that's kind of like in yeah. line with what they're interested with. Uh, but for what's from what I see with students, um, it's another great thing. Um, if, like I, it might just be my own enclosed bubble or being at the school I was at, mm. uh, at Laurier, but I really didn't see toxic or masculinity or that bro culture be overwhelming that it would negatively impact someone. Yeah. I always found like, yeah, there was bro culture, but the guys within that bro culture were definitely uh, accepting of everybody. Yeah. So I never was worried that, oh, this is, it's it's not going to turn in, that that's the type of masculinity. It's not going to form into toxic masculinity because yeah. they're, they're guys, using your terms, um, that understand what the healthy, what a healthy kind of version of masculinity is yeah. where they can be accepting of everybody. Yeah. I definitely felt the same. Like I went in with that fear and I came out like totally revitalized on on thinking that oh the guys can change guys the way they perceive or act in like a big group um can be very loud right rambunctious but like when you break when you bring them like into smaller groups of like one two three people they really actually share quite a lot about who they are from an emotional standpoint um which is probably like the most value i took out of my entire uh time as a don and like I will never forget one of the conversations I had with all my students about um, topics of masculinity. And like, even now I still talk to them to this day about a lot of these topics and, and, you know, it's really encouraging that a lot of them want to be on. Um, but yeah, like I, I really find it fascinating because I I've known you for, I guess, four years. Yeah. Like maybe, it's reaching four years. Yeah, yeah. Reaching four years. And I've always been fascinated by that too, because you know, you just, you alluded to being more into fashion, being into photography, being into um, kind of, kind of the more, I guess, feminine things, not sports. Um, and so can you kind of like touch on that, like how you got into it? Because I'm always like, I'm a huge fan of your photography, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I think it was never much getting into. It's kind of just like those interests that you, it was like, like an itch kind of, like you always yeah. kind of knew it was there. Yeah. Um, and just kind of going with it, like as a young, um, as a child, I was into video games. So I was into that a lot. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards kind of died down. Then I was into photography. Like it just started off with the iPhone and then, you know, I wanted something better. So I got my first like entry level digital camera mm-hmm. and then it got into like the actual DSLRs. Um, and so it's always just a progression of following your interests. Mm-hmm. Um, it was never kind of, I never looked at my interests or categorize them in thinking, oh, am I looking down a path of being like, like, is this like a feminine mm-hmm. interest or not? It's just like, whoa, what's that? Sorry, it just got dark in here. Hello, light. Oh, there oh, we go. Oh, there we go. Wow, wow. interesting. Okay, <laughs> no, but um, I, I never categorized my interest between being um, like feminine or masculine. I yeah. think it was always just an interest. I think that's something that people should really. Um, 
embrace more Mm -hmm. you know if you have something that you want to try don't be afraid to do it if it's your interest right if it's photography um if it's the arts writing and then even if it's uh sports or anything go Mm -hmm. for it try it and i think the end goal for anything that you do is just to be happy so yeah fashion it kind of goes back to perception of what other people think because as i was Mm. as i mentioned earlier like teenagers kind of when i thought about like oh the public image and it kind of relates to my job with public image public relations and how you're perceived Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where i got into those other things like fashion you know i want to be i want to be perceived as an authoritative figure or you know someone that's reliable so that's a non-communication as we learned in communications Mm -hmm. non-verbal communication is huge um self-care you know just being the best version of yourself possible so it's not even necessarily um interest at this point it could even be classified as self-investment or how you want to take your time and spend and making yourself the best version possible yeah that's that's good like i because i've always been interested in that too and, and only recently have i really wanted to perceive or pursue some of the things that i've always thought were more feminine like um you know i i, I watch like watch hockey i watch basketball but i'm not really an athlete in a mm-hmm. lot of ways a lot of the things that i've been into you know you know i was in choir in high school like and i was always worried back then too that i was a bit feminine um or that i even thought i enjoyed it uh nowadays it's like i want to try potentially dance or something like that um a lot of the things i i am pursuing now i guess are just not the most masculine things but i also think there's been a huge shift as you kind of said in that you know there has been a movement away of classifying things as either feminine or not feminine it's just like if this is an interest go pursue it Mm -hmm. um and then i know also know you're into fashion and, and like thrifting and like um, you know, I followed your journey through, I guess, your photography through your real estate mm-hmm. investment too. And I've always been like, yo, these guys are actually pursuing a lot of interests, which I always thought was really cool. Um, in regards to getting into communication studies then and PR, like, were you always, I guess, communication studies for people that don't know is like, I don't really know how to describe it. Like, you know, how to describe I used it? to have a good definition for like yeah. those Thanksgiving dinners, but now I graduated and I'm onto PR. I don't need that definition yeah. anymore. So it's hard to say, but I think it's just more about like how information is processed and uh, disseminated across audiences and the various elements that go into communicating a message, like the cultural differences. Um, that's a huge one. Uh, socioeconomic conditions. So there's all these different lenses that you can look at how a message yeah. is transmitted. That's much better than so what I, I was going to come up with. Yeah. So, wow, damn. Okay. Like, did so did you go into that knowing that you were interested in culture and how it was, like, um, defined or, or, or communicated? Or kind of was that something that you just fell into? Like, what's your background in going into communication studies? Yeah. So when applying to these different programs, I applied for uh, more of, like, the hands-on media programs like TV and radio, mm-hmm. uh, new media. That's kind of, like, more of the arts I applied to business programs and then communications. And I think the main thing that brought me into communications was the adaptability of having a communications degree. Like I said, I'm in public relations right now. But communications can take you more, like it can take you into human resources, marketing, government jobs. Um, So I never wanted to be defined by the name of my degree. So I think communication studies definitely allows you to have various job titles all under the same branch of communications because there are completely communication departments, right? Um, Rather than being going into finance and economics, and I feel like 
this is just my um, ignorance talking, but yeah. I feel like it's like very accounting or like, you know, yeah. an account executive. But with communications, they have whole departments under that. And then whatever you like under that, whether it's social media coordinator, uh, communications director, uh, spokesperson, human resources, I think it just has a lot of options. Mm-hmm. And I was just always interested in that social aspect. I never wanted to be isolated to a desk. So that's how I kind of got into communication studies. You know, I'm really fascinated by communication studies too, because in it, again, we kind of talked a lot about gender studies, um, the idea of masculine. We talked a lot more about women's studies, I guess, than we did about gender, like men, I would mm-hmm. say. Kind of why do you think that is? Where do you think the balance lies uh, for men? Like communication studies, for those that don't know, is a very women-populated yeah. program at least at Laurier I felt like it was like yeah. it wasn't a lot of guys there um but like kind of how did you navigate women's studies gender studies in in, in communication studies I'm, I'm like kind of interested in that yeah so I did take some women's studies courses and I think the way that I I guess if you want to word it like navigated it is kind of just be go go in it with an open mind mm-hmm. and kind of see um because it is becoming a more talked about topic. So kind of just going into it and seeing like what else I can learn from it from a university kind of uh, lecture standpoint. Um, as for uh, just the content uh, content itself, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I did feel um, out of place, not, yeah. not in the sense that the content was making me uncomfortable. Yeah. I just wanted to be uh, respectful in the discussion. Yeah. So I that's kind of just something that I was on the line about, but I think from my experience, I actually took away a lot of information that was yeah. beneficial to me. And it was interesting to see um, how, when we talk about women in society or women in culture and women in business from the, from taking these courses, um, it's definitely beneficial and you yeah. can learn a lot. Yeah. I definitely think it opened my eyes to a lot of, just like the smaller issues that go on, you like, you know, like the nuances of language, the nuances of, of just like, not, I don't want to say safe spaces. Cause I don't, I'm not really a huge fan of the term. Um, but like navigating the whole landscape of, you know, even just being a white male, like we learn a lot, we learn quite a bit about, about privilege and communication studies too, or at least, you know, we, we have conversations about it. Maybe don't, we don't aren't lectured on it, but like, I guess coming from the place of, of that side of, of things. It was, I thought it was really fascinating to, um, to kind of see how a lot of the things in the, in society, I guess are kind of leaning towards men or, or and lean away from women and how much like uh, affirmative action is like, you almost wish it wasn't necessary, mm-hmm. but you understand that it is like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you almost wish um, like you, you want to get to the point where women in leadership, isn't a necessary conversation because it exists. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always thought that was really interesting too. Yeah. And I think what I noticed now is that women's studies is becoming talked about more as like gender studies. So it is becoming um, an open discussion for, you know, males and females mm-hmm. to talk about their um, experiences and kind of how uh, society is viewing these two things. And I think that it's, um, it's going in the right direction. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's eye-opening, yeah. Yeah. In terms of, I guess, understanding what masculinity is, do you wish there was more cons? Like, not, like looking back, do you wish there was a bit more about, um, not to put, like, men at the forefront of problems again, mm-hmm. but, like, 
in terms of understanding what your place is and helping them or, you know, you know, being an ally, do you wish there was kind of more content and discussion around that in the classroom? Uh, I mean, like from what I've learned so far, I think there's always room for yeah. an open discussion, right? There's like never a place where it's not bad to talk, yeah. keep talking about it. But um, I think what I, I'd like to see or what I do like seeing in these programs is that it's not – I feel like the best way to create a collective group is to have everyone um, learn and not be shamed for the stuff that yeah. they don't know. And I feel like there might be that disconnect um, in our society right now, which is creating a lot of division mm-hmm. um, when when we have these talks about, like, you know, women's studies and gender studies, because I feel like it's a lot of attacking um, and not uh, not having the space to learn. Mm-hmm. We see that a lot now with um, not even just gender studies or women's studies, but just anybody's negative behavior gets criticized a lot mm-hmm. and never given the opportunity or given them the, the recognition for them to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in the election period. Uh, I'm not going to bring up any specific scandals, but I feel yeah. like just when individuals from past time have said certain things, I feel like they're almost like, crucified in a sense that from what they said before is how they're going to be perceived for the rest of their life and there's never that opportunity to learn and I feel like that's where where there's a disconnect because I always feel like there's an opportunity to learn and from what you might have been or what your opinions or behavior might have been before you shouldn't be judged by that but by Mm -hmm. the progress that you've made and where you are now currently because obviously people might have thought beliefs you know if we were if we follow that path about um you know holding people accountable for the words which we should but i just meant like in a sense where we don't recognize their growth and learning then we would not be where we are today right we would still be in like i don't know just like (laughs) medieval times or something but really the 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 change is not recognized so i always think that we need to acknowledge our growth and our changes and if we don't recognize those growths, you're going to lose people. And they're yeah. going to be like, well, what, what would, they're going to think, what was the point of learning it in the first place? Or what, what's there for me to learn in the future? Yeah. If I'm always going to be criticized or viewed as the enemy, then I don't want to be your ally. Because yeah. I will never be your ally if you, yeah. always, if you always judge me as being your enemy. 100%. Yo, preaching to the choir. Like, um, whenever there's conversations even about politics and and whatnot and all people do are like yell at the other side it's like mm-hmm. that's not gonna bring them over to your side if anything that's gonna make them more radicalized on the other side and i feel like the one of the biggest anchors right now is how unwilling people are to have even the conversation mm-hmm. like i already have a plan on, on the video i'm gonna make on monday mm-hmm. which i guess will be uh before i actually release this podcast about you know the political nature of, of voting and it's like just because you vote for conservative doesn't make, make you racist mm-hmm. just because you vote for ndp doesn't make you woke like these aren't things that follow just one political party you can be um both against racism but you know you if you want the financial benefits for yourself and for your future family and small business ownership then i mean like there's p- pros and cons to every every um political party so yeah. like I, I do hate that the fact that it's like almost like discussion is so demonized right now. And it's like all you, I, like, I think people see the calling out behavior as a way of moving forward in progress. I actually see it as the opposite. Mm-hmm. I see it as like really holding us back from allowing people to understand or, or um, 
like remove arrogance. Like it, it's almost like um, the 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 verse like uh, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. It's like all oh, these yeah. all these people that are getting called out for tweets like ten years ago. If you went back on their Twitter they would probably be in the same situation yeah, or, or, no, they, or they went through and deleted them. Right. Like um, I definitely like no one is, is without fault and yeah. no one has not said ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I definitely get frustrated with that aspect of it too. Like of society.